Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Mark chapter 11. We're going to be in Mark 11 for a good portion of the morning. If, if you have a Bible, you can stay there for a bit. And uh, I'm going to read you one verse, then we're going to set up where we're going, and then we're going to do our best to go there. So Mark chapter 11, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So I'm going to say that again. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And I want to bring to you a message this morning that I have simply entitled, if only it were that simple. If only it were that simple. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for today. Lord, I just pray that you would increase through this message today, God, as I decrease. Jesus, we honor you. We glorify you. I pray that you would be seen today. Holy Spirit, encourage us, inspire us, and enlighten us not by my words, but by yours. We love you, God. We honor you, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said together. Amen. Amen. Now, here's the deal. Um, I don't know if you could see this by just looking at me, but I am not what you would consider to be a handyman, okay? Um, can't fix anything. Like, if something breaks in my house, the best I can do is paint it. That's it. I'm like, give me a paint bucket and a brush. I'll paint it. It's not going to work, but it's going to look like it can work, Okay. That's it. I can paint, like if the microwave breaks, I'll just paint the microwave and just make it a nice beautiful blue color or something. And, you know, it, it's so bad that when, when somebody comes to my house, you know, another handyman, or, you know, somebody comes to work on something, I don't even have the vocabulary to tell them what's happening. So when they walk in the front door, I revert to a three-year-old and they open the door and I go, come, 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 look it, see, you know, I'm like, and, and I, he's like, well, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I can make some sounds. Would that be helpful if I just, and he's like, it wouldn't at all. So uh, I don't know how to fix stuff. So I revert to this three-year-old version of myself. And I remember this guy came over um, a couple of years ago. We had something going on in our house and he just comes in all business, just walks in the front door. I don't know this guy. We just called him and, and we were paying him. And he walks in the front door and he goes, all right, I need you to take me to the main shutoff valve for the house. And I'm like, there's a main shutoff valve? Is this just things people know? Nobody tells you about these things. And so I'm like, you know what? I have a better idea. Instead of me taking you there, why don't I take you on a tour of the house? You just tell me if we're getting hot or cold. I had never seen a main shutoff valve ever. I don't even think it's real. A couple years back, our garbage disposal broke. And apparently it's a bad idea to put your coffee grounds down your drain for two years. Um, so if you're doing it right now, you're going to pay for it. So... It gets all caught in there and it messed everything up. So I took the garbage disposal out. I bought a new one and looked at everything and realized I can't put this thing in there by myself. And so I called a guy from our church named Ken. I was like, Ken, I'm trying to put this new garbage disposal in. What do I do? Can you help me? He's like, oh, Brandon. He's like, it's one of the easiest things to fix ever. So here's, here's what we're going to do. Lay out all the stuff. I lay out all the stuff. And he's like, all right, Brandon, here we go. Here's what I'm going to need you to do. I need you to locate the drain flange, okay? You're going to reinsert the drain flange. Then you're going to go grab your plumber's putty. The mere assumption that I had plumber's putty in my house. We're on different playing fields here. Go get your plumber's putty. I'm like, I can go to the store. Like, it's not here. Get the plumber's putty. I think I want you to get the rubber gasket, reinstall that, get the fiber ring, put it on there, put the plumber's putty around it, and make sure you have an airtight seal. Waits about 20 seconds. He goes, all right, Brandon, do you have an airtight seal? 
What he didn't know is I had touched nothing. I'm just staring at it. I'm like, I don't know where the drain flange is. We, the starting point is off. Now, I'm not a handyman, and I gotta be honest, it drives me a little bit crazy when people make something sound so simple when it's not. Like, to them, it's simple. They know how to do these things. They've been dedicated to it for a long time, and I'm like, I know very little about these things, yet you make it sound so simple. When I read in Mark chapter 11, when Jesus talks about prayer, he, he kind of does this to us when it comes to prayer. He says, guys, when you ask God, whatever you ask for, just believe that you're going to receive it and it will be yours. But we all know in this room, if you've been around the life of faith for any amount of time, that it's not always that simple. If it was, I would be a foot taller playing in the NBA, driving a blacked out G-Wagon. Like life would look a little different for me. It's not just you believe, I ask it, I believe it, and bam, like it's there. It's a little more complicated, right? We know our part of the deal. God says pray, but God's part of the deal, how he responds and what he decides to respond to, that's a little bit more complex. Honestly, the way that God responds to prayer is, is really one of the more complex and debated theological subjects out there. There are churches meeting today that have wildly different views on the way that God responds to his people. Some people are in churches today because there's a pastor that says, oh, just believe it, receive it in Jesus' name. They're like, I like that kind of preaching. That's why I'm here. Other people have left those churches. They're like, I don't think that's how it actually works. And so this is one of the things that, that scholars love to, or theologians love to refer to as a divine mystery. Like we, basically, it's a big phrase for like, we just don't know. So you don't know something, just say, it's a, it's a divine mystery. You'll sound smart. You, you know, you don't know. But it's a divine mystery. But here's the truth. No matter the how complex and no matter the struggle for our minds, our finite minds to comprehend how God responds to prayer, one thing we know to be true through scripture is that God calls his people to pray. He says, I want you to be people of prayer. We see the word pray almost 400 times in scripture and that doesn't even include moments that people called out to God and cried out to God and when God was speaking to his people, it is all throughout scripture, the concept of God's people praying and calling out to God. And so we don't know how he's going to respond, but we know that we ought to pray. Second Chronicles, he says, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray. I love the way that's worded because prayer is one of the most humbling things that you can do. Like, do you understand that? Like when you come to God, you are essentially saying, I do not have it inside of me to take care of this situation. I have come to the end of myself and I need something in someone greater. But I think we ought to be people that prayer is not our last resort, but it's always our first response. So we don't wait till we find out we're not enough. We just, exactly what we saying earlier today, I'm not enough unless you come, God. So we ought to start with prayer. Pray first, everything you do, before you make a decision, before you buy that thing, before you date that person, for sure before you marry that person, we ought to pray about everything. It's not our last resort, it's the first response. So then I want to cover this for, for just the next few moments. How then should we pray? How should we pray? And I want to go back to Jesus' words and let's break this down for a few moments. And so this is simple, but I think we can gain some profound truth through this. The first thing this morning, how should we pray? Number one is ask it. Everybody real quick say, ask it. We're going to ask it. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer. Do you ever take moments or have you ever taken a moment to think and consider just how big of a deal it is, how incredible and how amazing it is that we even have the opportunity to come to God to ask him for the things that we need in life. 
that we have access to God, the creator of the universe. You have his ear. Have you ever just taken a moment to consider how amazing that is? It's incredible. When was the last time you prayed and you're like, I just talked to God. Like it's, it should blow our minds. It should be one of the greatest privileges on planet earth that we get to pray, that we get to talk to God. It's an incredible thing. I, I want to illustrate it like this. Imagine if you had a, an issue with one of your Amazon packages, right? Like it didn't show up in, in two hours. And so you're having an issue with your package or your order. And so you call Amazon customer service and somebody picks up the other line and they say, hey, thank you so much for calling Amazon customer service. This is Jeff Bezos. How can I help you today? Like, okay, first off, like stock options, man. Um, we could just start there. But so imagine Jeff Bezos, the CEO, picks up the phone. At that moment, you know, I'm gonna get whatever I need. This is the one guy that can literally take care of any issue that I have in the entire Amazon world. I just went to the top. Like Jeff Bezos answered my call. That would blow your mind. I tell you, every time you pray, you're not sent to some unhelpful part of like heaven's customer service line, right? Or Peter's picking up the phone, like, what? What do you need, you know? Every time you pray, you're not going to customer service. You're going directly to the top. You're going to God. You're going to the one who created everything, who created you and knows what you need before you know what you need. He says, come to me. I want you to ask me. I want you to pray. It's the ultimate honor. And and I want to point this out too. Prayer is the ultimate ultimate honor, and it's all because of Jesus. The fact that we have that access is because of Jesus. I love the book of Hebrews. Chapter four in verse 14 through 16, it says this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin Look at this, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. And I love the picture here. Kings used to sit in the throne room on their throne and people would be allowed in, right? You didn't just get to show up, but you had to be let into that throne and the king would settle your disputes. He would try to help you if you had issues. All day long, they would hear the requests of the people. And and God says, that's what I'm doing for my people, but you don't have to be let in the door anymore. The door has been swung wide open because of what Jesus has done. You can just walk right in. So he says, approach the throne of grace with what? With fear and trembling? No, he says, with confidence. Just kick the doors down. All right, God, I'm here. God, I need you. I need you, God. I need you to step into my life today so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, there's a reason that today we have pastors and not priests. See, the word pastor transliterated literally means shepherd. So a pastor, what Pastor Brian is doing here at this church is he's shepherding people. He's helping take them where they need to go. He's helping feed them the word of God as best as he can every single week. That's what pastors are for. We're doing life with you, right? A priest, really in the Old Testament days, was, it was a little bit different. A priest was actually the representation of people before God. So they didn't just get to go straight to God. They had to go to the priest and say, here's the sins I've committed. Can you make sacrifices for me? Here's what I'm needing from God. Could you maybe talk to him for me? Because the priest was the only one. But I love what Hebrews says. It says, we now have a great high priest and his name is Jesus. And because of what he's done, he's gone behind the curtain. He's gone into the throne room. He sits at the right hand of the father. And he says, if you have a need, bring it straight to him. Because I'm right here as your high priest. So we don't have to go to anybody else. You don't have to come confess your sins to me. You can. 
It's a great thing to do to let, every, let other people know what's going on in your life. But you don't have to go through me to get to God. You have the same access as everybody else. And it's an amazing thing. Prayer is, the, our, is our greatest privilege. You have direct access to the throne. Are you taking advantage of that access? Some of us, I think we have this fear when we pray that I just don't know if God's going to answer me, so I just don't ask. You know, it's, it's funny, um, Hall of Fame hockey player Wayne Gretzky, um, I've got to be honest, I'm from New Mexico, I know nothing about hockey, but we're going to roll with this. Apparently he was pretty good. Um, so he set, set all these records, and one time in an interview he was asked the question, Wayne, why do you shoot the puck so much? And I love this famous response, it's really kind of funny. He said, uh, well, I shoot because you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's why I shoot. And if I'm just going to shoot a bunch, I'm going to make some of them. And can I just say today, I believe I want us to apply that same logic to prayer. You think, man, why, don't, why do you ask God so much? Well, I miss 100% of the prayers I don't pray. Right? At least bring them to God. At least put yourself in position for God to step in in your life and show you who he really is. We got to ask God. James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. And take careful notice of the word that's used. It's ask. It's not making demands or making deals with God. When we make deals with God or demands of God, what we do in our mind is we, we turn God, the creator of the universe, and we reduce him into a cosmic Coke machine where we say, I put in what I want and you give me exactly what I ask for. See, guys, prayer is not a transaction. It is a petition. Transaction says, I did my part, now do yours. I paid up, now you pay up. A petition says, I've asked you, now I step back and I'm going to humbly wait for how you want to respond. Guys, it is not a transactional relationship with God. And so I want to ask, are you taking advantage? Are you asking God? So number one, he says, ask it. Number two, he says, believe it. Number two, he says, I want you to believe it. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And so what we see here is that prayer and faith, they go hand in hand. Faith is what activates God on our behalf. Do you have faith to believe that God is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he's going to do? I love James, the brother of Jesus. Uh, he, he writes some pretty profound things. He writes with a little bit of an edge to him. I love it. I think it's because it must have been hard growing up with Jesus. I gotta be honest. Um, I know what it's like to have a brother who's better than you with some stuff. My, my brother, um, he's a pharmacist. I'm two years behind him in school. And so he had a 4.3 GPA, was like fourth in his class of, our school was huge, 2,200 people. I mean, the guy was smart, okay? And um, when I would go to my classes and have the same teacher, they would go down the list and they would be like, oh, Brandon Woodward. I'd be like, here's the big, oh my gosh, are you Jonathan Woodward's brother? And I was like, God, geez. Um, I was like, yeah, but you're gonna go ahead and need to take those expectations and lower them real quick. I'm not the same, okay? Not a 4.3 kind of student. But I think James, uh, I always laugh about this because I mean, imagine growing up as the brother of Jesus where he's doing everything perfect. You're showing up late for curfew. You know, you're doing things wrong. I guarantee you Mary more than once was like, James, why can't you be more like your brother? You know, it would have been, it would have been a tough life to live. But I love James. And he says this in James 1, 6 through 8. He says, but when you, when you ask, he's, he's talking about prayer, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I gotta be honest, this passage stresses me out. I read it, and, and I don't know about you, but many times when I pray, I've still got some level of doubt in my mind. I'm asking God, and I believe him, I think I believe him, 
but there's still something in my mind that's telling me, but can God really do that? Would God really do that for you? And, and upon a quick surface level, out of context reading of this passage, you would, you would conclude that when you pray, if you want anything from God, that you have to have a lot of faith and zero doubt if God's gonna do anything on your behalf. Zero doubt, like all of it has to be gone. And this is so difficult because we're human and we're often slaves to logic and to reason. And it can be hard for us as humans to just be people of complete faith, 100% never doubt. Like if you want God to step in, that's the kind of faith you have to have. And I don't know about you, but there's so many times where it seems as much faith as I can muster up, there's still a level of doubt. Now I would love a little bit of group participation. How many of you have ever prayed and there was some level of doubt in your mind that God was gonna do what you were asking him to do. Would you just raise a hand that you had a little bit of doubt? Look around the room for a second. This is pretty much every hand. And those not raising their hand, I mean, they're lying. But there's, it's, it's because we're human, right? And I think the enemy at times wants you to get to believe that you are the only one or you're one of few people that lacks faith and that doubts sometimes. And you're not as great as these other, you know, awesome Bible believing, my kids go to Christian private school. We love Tim Tebow, super Christians, right? And you think God's, God's answering their prayers and not mine because they have so much more faith than I do. It's bad theology. And it gets people into this place where they just think, well, maybe I won't ask because I'm not as great as they are. I wish I could have faith like that. But let me show you something in Mark chapter nine. A little bit of context, uh, Jesus, Peter, James, and John were up in the mountain. It's this moment called the Mount of Transfiguration. It's this miraculous, crazy moment. They come down from this epic moment. They come down the mountain and they've defined the other disciples and they're in this argument with other religious scholar, scholars and other followers of Jesus. So they come down, they're like, what's going on here? And this man comes up to Jesus in verse 17 and said, someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, but you weren't here, so I brought him to your disciples. For he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were unable. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? Translation, y'all are getting on my last nerve. Like seriously, Jesus looking up to heaven saying, God, can we just do the cross now? Like I'm ready. I'm so tired of these people. I love the book of Mark because it, Mark writes about a very frustrated Jesus. It's pretty funny when you look at it. People could frustrate him at times because he's preaching, he's teaching, they just don't get it. He told the disciples, you have the power to cast out demons, go do it. And they weren't doing it. He says, how long am I to bear with you? And then he says, bring the boy to me. And they bring him to Jesus. And the dad explains the severity of the situation. And then he says this in Mark 9. He says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And I love how Jesus responds. His dad says, Jesus, if you can do anything. And then Jesus, the way he responds here, I want you to notice that this is not a question. He's not going, he's not going if, if you can. He literally takes the man's words and he repeats them back to him like he's mocking him. He goes, if you can. Jesus goes, if you can. Like, are you kidding me? Who is this guy? Like, who does he think he is? He's, he's talking to the entire crowd. He says, if you can. And look at what he says. All things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, right? So that's what we've been reading. Okay, you gotta believe. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Jesus ends up healing the boy. I believe, help my unbelief. To me, that doesn't sound like the most faith-filled statement I've ever heard, right? He says, he says you gotta believe. The guy's like, okay, well, then, then yeah, I mean, I believe. 
I mean, I think so, like kind of. And Jesus is like, good enough for me. Boom, and he heals the son. And I, I, for whatever reason, I find this moment in scripture kind of shocking, but weirdly helpful in these kinds of moments. Because it doesn't seem like he's full of faith, but I think what we can begin to conclude here is that God is not looking for perfect faith. He's looking for the presence of faith. It's not that you have to have perfect, complete, massive faith. God is just saying, do you have the presence of faith? Because if it's in there, I can work with it. I just need the presence of faith. And in Luke chapter 17, I think this is incredible. The disciples of Jesus, they, they come to him and I think they're watching Jesus perform these miracles and teach the way that he does. And they're really impressed by him. So the disciples come to him with a great question or this, this great request. And they say, Jesus, could you please increase our faith? Because we wanna be like you. We wanna do what you do. Jesus, could you please increase our faith? Because that was their logical conclusion. We need more faith to do what Jesus is doing. And this is where you get the famous response where Jesus says, look, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there and it will move. Now, this wasn't a literal statement, right? Like if you can't just go to a mountain and be like, go, like it's, I've tried it. It doesn't work. This was a, a metaphor for God that, that you can do the impossible. So he said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the impossible can be done through your life. Now, let me draw your attention to this. They say, help us have more faith. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's not about more. You just have to have mustard seed faith. Do you have just a little bit of faith? And I promise you, if you leave here today thinking that my requests are only gonna be answered when I'm full of faith, then you're gonna stop preaching whenever you're faced with doubt. And Jesus says, no, 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 I don't want you to stop when you have doubt. I want you to progress through the doubt. And I want you to watch what happens here. This man is professing belief while still possessing unbelief. It's an interesting thing that he's doing here. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. That means that there is doubt in his head, but he has faith in his heart. You remember what the Bible says, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think when you're doubting in your mind, but you've got a seed of faith in your heart, you ought to let that faith come out of your mouth and begin to speak in the name of Jesus, the things that you see, the things that you're asking for and believing God for. Right, we're gonna have doubt up here, but do you have some faith in here? You got a little bit of faith that he can work with in your heart. See, prayer allows us to contradict our current reality. See, on God's authority, what we say can contradict what we see. So that means when you, you might be looking at your life and say, I might be sick, but my God is a healer. See, I might not have a job, but my God is my provider. I might be addicted, but my God can break chains. There might be disunity everywhere we look, but my God can bring unity where there has only been division. We can speak the things that we don't even see on God's authority. So he says, I need you to believe, but I want you to understand this morning, it's not about the amount of belief you have, but do you have the presence of faith? And if you do, speak it out of your mouth and let God do a miracle with that little bit of faith. And the third thing this morning is, you would think you would be receive it. But actually, I want to go past that for a second. And the third thing this morning is trust it. So he says, ask it, believe it, and you will receive it. But I want to talk for a moment about trusting whatever response you get from Jesus. See, I think the, the hardest part, again, is God's part of this deal when it comes to prayer. See, his response, what is God going to say to you? 
You come to him and you ask and you beg and you say, maybe you've been praying for months or years for a specific thing and you're just waiting, right? These can be some of the most difficult seasons of our life when we're asking God, I want all of you as I'm talking to be thinking, what is that thing in your life right now that you desperately need God to show up? For some of you, it might be something new that you're asking God for. It might be a a new thing that's taken place and you need God to step in. For others of you, it might be something that's been years in the making. You said, I have prayed hundreds, maybe thousands of times for God to do this. But how is God going to respond? He always responds. And I think when he does, I think we have a few things that we can consider. When God says yes to what we ask him for, I think we ought to give him the glory. When God says not yet, I think we wait patiently. And when God says no, the challenge is, can we trust him fully? Can you trust him? It's easy to say. Honestly, it's really easy to preach. Trust God no matter what. It's a lot harder to live out. And I watched in my own life and I've watched in the lives of people around me who have been faced with some of the most crazy and difficult and maybe doubt promoting situations in their life, but they handle it with complete faith and complete trust in God. I have a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine and his mom, an amazing woman of God, she's been battling cancer now for over 15 years. And she's been in this up and down where she has cancer and, and each time she's battled, four different times, it's been stage four. And they give her this diagnosis that you've only got a little bit of time to live. So she had cancer and then years ago was cancer free and the family celebrated and she got cancer again, became cancer free and they celebrated. And just recently, I was with my friend who was actually living with us for a time and he was talking to me about his mom. And over the last year and a half, they've had one of the most difficult seasons of their entire life. They thought she was gonna die on multiple occasions. And I've walked with him through this entire season. Just about a month ago, they came to the family and one of the doctors gave them actually really great news. He gave them hope. He said, I don't know what these guys have been telling you for the last year, but the scan that we just took on your, on your mom, there was no cancer where there was cancer before. So they get, this great di- they get this great diagnosis and they're posting on social media and the family is celebrating together. My friend is telling me, we're praising God. We're thanking God that she's cancer free. But just about three weeks ago, she went back in for a follow-up scan. And what was true was that the cancer was not where it was, but it had moved. And they said, they showed her a scan of her back and there's cancer all up her back and near her spine. And again, it's stage four and they're giving her not a lot of time. They're saying, look, this, they're putting her on hospice and all of these things. Her name is Yvonne. And I would love for you guys to join in praying for her because this woman is an incredible woman who has fought for a long time. And we are believing for the miraculous for her. But I tell you this story because I'm talking to my friend a few weeks ago. And he said, I called my mom and he said, I'm weeping and I'm crying and I'm emotional. And I'm saying, mom, I cannot believe that this is back. What are we gonna do? And he said, you wouldn't believe. He says, as I'm FaceTiming my mom, he said, she just looks fine. She's got her makeup done. She's smiling. And he's like, mom, how can you have this look on your face with this kind of news? What's happening here? She told him, she said, if there's one thing I've learned in 15 years, If it's the only thing I've learned, it's that I can trust God. I can trust God with every part of my life. She said, look, the doctors, they're not in control of my life. This cancer's not in control of my life. There's only one person who's in control, and it is God, my creator, my healer, and my provider. She says, I give everything to him. And I watch this woman whose life is a testament to a life of faith in God. And not just when things go well and not just when you get the miracle, but when you get the worst news possible. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of believer I wanna be. 
that whatever God says and however God responds, I don't get upset and I don't run from God and I don't run from his, his ways, but I run back to God and I say, God, I trust you. What do you need to trust God for here this morning? What have you been praying for? I know some of you guys might be in here thinking I've, I'm about to give up on asking God for this specific thing. Maybe it's somebody in your life that needs healing. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a friend that needs something. Maybe it's provision in your life. Maybe it's a job. I don't know what it is, but I came here today just to tell you to keep asking and keep believing and keep trusting that God is good and he is who he says that he is. And I promise you, if you continue to trust God, you will see that the righteous are never forsaken. He's walking with you. However it looks, say, God, I trust you. I love Romans chapter eight, verse 28. I wanna close with this. One of my favorite passages in the Bible and it says, and we know that God causes everything. Can everybody one time say everything? He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what response you get from God, I want you to keep Romans eight in your heart that he causes everything to work together for my good. If it's what I want, if it's what I don't want, if it's the best news or the worst news, if it's new life or even if it's death, all of it works together for good. If you guys would bow your heads this morning, I wanna pray for you. I just wanna know if there's anybody in here uh, today that maybe this last part of this is resonating with you and you're saying, you know, Brandon, I think I've been a little bit close to giving up on something in my life that I've been asking God for and praying for. But right now, what I'm gonna ask you to do in a moment is just raise your hand to signify that you're someone saying, I'm not gonna give up though. I'm going to keep trusting God. And I'm gonna right now, out of raising my hand, make a confession of faith, even in the midst of the confusion of doubt that God is still good and I'm gonna keep reaching out and I'm gonna keep praying. If you're in here, would you lift your hand high if that's you, that I, I, I need to keep praying. There's something I need to keep trusting God for. This morning, we got hands going up all over the room. Awesome. And I wanna encourage you guys, keep asking, keep trusting, keep believing. Even when you're surrounded by doubt, confess that faith out of your mouth. And I just really quickly wanna give an opportunity if there's anybody in here that maybe you don't know Jesus. When I'm talking about trusting Jesus, the very first thing we trust Jesus for is for salvation. We say, Jesus, I need you. All right, this world is broken because of sin. It's damaged. And the Bible tells this entire story. It's not just a bunch of random stories. It is the story of humanity being reconciled back to God through Jesus Christ. Today, if you're in here and you're saying, Brandon, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never confessed with my mouth that he is Lord. I've never said out of my mouth that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a savior and I want the forgiveness of sins. Not just so I can have the, the hope of, of eternity, which is incredible, but so that I can walk in his grace and in his freedom and his mercy today. But if you're in here today and you say, Brandon, I just, I feel something right now. I feel like the, that God is moving in my heart and I don't know what all of this means. I don't know what all of this is about, but the good thing is you have a church here at Queen City that will walk you through every step of the way. They will walk with you and disciple you and they will lead you closer to Jesus. But if you're here today and you would say, I wanna say today that Jesus Christ is Lord. I wanna surrender my life to him. Would you boldly with every head bowed, would you boldly lift your hand and maybe hold it up for three to five seconds if that's you on the count of three. One, two, three, if that's you. I wanna know Jesus Christ is my savior. Awesome. Got a couple of hands going up this morning. Incredible. Guys, we just had probably three or four hands just go. Can we just give God some praise for that? Unbelievable. Let me pray for you. 
And then Pastor Brian's gonna come uh, give you some further instruction. God, thank you so much for this morning, these amazing people. God, I pray for Queen City Church, that you would bless them. God, pour out your favor on these people. God, I pray that their best days are ahead of them. Let them be a light in Cincinnati and this entire state of Ohio, God. Lord, I pray for those that need to trust you, rejuvenate and reinvigorate their faith. I pray that you would take that mustard seed, God, and you would do the miraculous and the impossible in their life. Let them see your goodness, Lord. And God, I pray for those who just raise their hands to receive you, Jesus. I pray that that seed of salvation would go plant itself deep in their heart. God, put the right people around them to help it cultivate and grow. If you prayed that prayer, would you just say, God, I love you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you are my savior. I repent right now and I turn from my old ways and I walk in your new ways. Forgive me of my sins and be my savior. I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, one more time. Can we celebrate with those that just made what we believe is the best decision of their life? That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.